Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Encounter. We're in the middle of a series right now called How to Live. It's Life Lessons from Proverbs. Kicked it off last week with part one, and we heard some of this wisdom of Proverbs, uh, wisdom about the words that we use. And we said it wasn't an exaggeration that our words uh, are a matter of life and death. Uh, today, we continued on in part two by talking about the work that we do. And this is, this is like my big takeaway. This is my hope for you as we leave this place. What I would like to provide uh, in a scripture base is three ways to be successful in the work that you do no matter what. And I'm also going to provide scripturally one big way not to be successful. So we got three ways to be successful and one big way not to be successful. Before we jump into the content um, of our proverb this morning, uh, I'd like to share a story about a dad who has some problems uh, waking his kid up out of bed. So like this could be just about anybody. So his dad goes to his son's room and he's like, you know, it's time to wake up. We got to get going for, for school, for church, for whatever it is. And the kid just doesn't want to wake up. You know, so dad goes in again. He's like, hey, listen, we, we got to get going. We got to get, we're going to be late. You know, put your, put your socks on, put your clothes on. Like, we got to get running. And this like happens like over and over and over again. This pattern kind of starts to develop. And those of you who've woken up kids in the morning, you kind of understand that. And pretty soon you have to like start waking yourself up a little extra early to like budget in the time to get him out of bed. And it's like, this is not working for me, for the rest of the family. So what the dad does one day, he sits him down, his son, you know, let me tell you a story, let me tell you a proverb, right, let me tell you a story. It's about a little bird that woke up very early one morning, and he, uh, and he, and he wakes up, and the bird goes on, he sees all these little bugs on the ground early that morning, and he scoops up not only enough bugs to, to feed his own belly, but all the, the bellies in the little nest back, back home. Right? And there's this other bird that didn't get up quite so early. And he gets up in the morning and he looks and there's no bugs on the ground, you know. And, and he had no bugs for his own belly. He had no bugs for the bellies of any of the other little birds in his nest. Son, do you know what the moral of the story is? And the kid looks back at his dad and goes, bugs that get up early get eaten. <laughs> it's a little bit what we're talking about this morning. He's not super far off. The, the part, though, that I'd really like to, to hone in on isn't so much the getting up early. This isn't like a moralism kind of message about waking up early versus uh, a morning early bird or a night owl. It isn't, it isn't so much that. We're, we're zooming in on the bugs part of that proverb this morning. Uh, today, we are going to hear a lesson taught to us about ants and about slugs. So if you would like to honor me by turning to... Proverbs chapter 6 in your Bible or phone friendly, as we mentioned earlier. And the words are also going to be on the screen behind me. Listen to the first couple of verses of Proverbs 6, starting in verse 6. Father talking to his son, just like that story I shared earlier. Go to the ant, you sluggard. It's not exactly like a slug, but like I had to make it work with the, with the bug thing. So just like follow me around. Go to the ant, you sluggard, you, you habitually lazy person. Consider its ways. And be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, or ruler. Yet it, ignore, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Um, can we just like take a moment and appreciate the irony of this proverb? Like it makes it into the Bible, which is super fun. Because I think like even Solomon, as he's collecting these wise sayings, his father and his son. And he's like, go to the ant. The, the, the proverb dripping with irony on the outset, it's like, we have human beings, a father and a son, the, the crowning jewel of God's whole creation, 
We have, what is man that you are mindful of him? That you've created him a little bit lower than the heavenly beings. We have the very image of God, where God created everything else in the universe and said, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then with people, he got to them and said, it's very good. Stooped down low to watch a soulless, little, minuscule ant do its work. And the father is going, learn from that bug. And learn they do. It's a picture of a father and a son. And you've probably watched ants before. You've seen the swarm of them. And, and it's, it's mesmerizing, you know. You, you, get, you see these, some of these ants. And, uh, and a lot of ant colonies, uh, a bigger side of the ant colonies, like 20 million of them, like all crammed in. Some of the really big ones that researchers have found have... It's like 300 million ants. It's like the whole population of the United States like crammed into like one ant colony. It's, it's pretty impressive. Um, entomologists estimate that there's over a quadrillion ants, which I have no idea. Like I, my, I don't think our brains can even hold a number of that. It's a one with 16 zeros after it. Like we can't even, we can't even hold a number like that. If you put all of the ants in the world and all of the people in the world on a scale, the ants would be heavier than all of the people like it's impressive so there's something about it that's like if you want to learn how to be successful like ants have something to teach us right the 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 weight to strength ratio of an ant is like a second grader carrying an 18-wheel truck like it's impressive ants have colonized just about every continent six of the seven the only one that they're not on is Antarctica? Come on. There's going to be more of that. There's going to be a lot more. So just like hang with me here. Um, hard pivot on a much more serious topic. <laughs> what, we have, what we have in the story, remember, it's a father and a son. And he's, he's imparting this wisdom. And the two of them are like cozied up and they're just and they're staring at the ants. I don't know how necessarily his dad taught him what to learn from the ant. But I know how I would do it. With my own kid. Or with some of you. I would point the ant right there. And I would say, see that ant marching in a line, carrying its little grain of sand? That is the very ultra-concentrated distilled reason why this sermon that I'm preaching right now will not change your life. A little ant carrying a little grain of sand, marching along, is a perfect picture of why that book that you picked up on marriage will not solve your problems in marriage. Little ant carrying the sand is a picture of why your devotions tomorrow with a small group that you're going to sign up for or show up for later this week will not fix, change, or solve your life. As impressive as these ants are, father and son stare at them. And it's Bible, and there's no YouTube, so I imagine they do it for a long time. <laughs> An hour, two. Eventually, one of them loses interest and moves on. And there's almost no discernible progress 
that those ants have made. And a little while later, Dad says to his kid, you remember when we stared at those ants? And he goes, riveting, Dad. I will never forget the life lessons that you taught to me at the anthill. Let's go back. And he has his son pose next to the anthill where they saw almost no discernible progress. We watch an ant carry a grain of sand across the ground. Why is it that that is a picture that this sermon will not change your life? The marriage book, or even the conference, or the receipt, or the, the retreat that you went on, he went on, didn't solve the problems in his marriage. But applying the principles learned in the book, the wisdom shared at the conference, applying that wisdom consistently, routinely, maybe even mundanely, over a very long period of time, that's what begins to change things. I think sometimes we show up for church and it was like, the puns were awesome, but like, it didn't change my life. Like, I don't know if I totally experienced the, the full weight of the glory of God when I showed up to that place and sat in that chair that one time. So I guess it doesn't quite work for me. And it's like, no, no, no. That ant didn't make a difference with the grain of sand, but consistently, routinely, maybe even mundanely over time, showing up changes lives. The group that you're going to go to a little bit later this week, one time, probably won't. But a, a group, a community, some people that you show up for and show up with that's hope-filled and Jesus-centered, a kind of community that's marked by openness and vulnerability and, yes, even accountability consistently over time changes everything. I mean, people have called this thing so many different ways, right? Like, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Or greatness is little more than goodness compounded over time. I've said these things before. That's how Proverbs work. I think God has another word for it, a much simpler one. It's faithfulness. Faithfulness over a huge amount of time makes a huge amount of difference. But he's not done. We've got the ant, and then we have the slug, the antithesis. <laughs> Verse 9, how long, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. In the words of the philosopher Ron Burgundy, that escalated quickly. <laughs> if you don't get that joke, you are a better person than most of us. There's a, there's a rhythm and there's a cadence that I'd like to come back to in just a moment. But, but like, like a little sleep, a little slumber, folding of the hands. And like all of a sudden this guy wakes up and, and he's got nothing. He's got no food. He's got no crops to harvest. He's... Poverty and scarcity is kind of like marking his life. What we have here, the opposite of the ant is the slug. The opposite of the ant is the habitually lazy person. In Proverbs, is called, he's called the sluggard. 
If we're talking about three ways to be successful, we haven't gotten to them yet, but we will. And the one big way not to be successful every time, it's this. Don't be a slug. (laughs) Just like, think about what a slugger would do, and then just do the opposite of that. Don't be a slug. Don't be a slug is how not to be successful. That word, uh, it means habitually lazy person. It's, uh, It's used 14 times in the Old Testament. Every single time it's used is in Proverbs which I love, like this dad again, and he's like giving this wisdom. He's like, let me tell you about this guy I know. Don't grow up to be like him. This is what he's like. And, and later on, later on, the, uh, Solomon, he just like has these sayings uh, about a sluggard. And so I want to share some of those, like just a bunch of them in chapter 26 where he goes, this is what a slug is like. And he's like, slug, slug, slug. This is what it's like. So I just want to share a few of them with you. A sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. It's like, wait, what? A guy doesn't want to go to work. He wakes up and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to get out of bed this morning. So he calls in sick. His excuse is, there's a lion outside. I can't go out there. I love the, the creativity. One person said uh, in writing about this, I am convinced that my mental and emotional faculties are at their very best when making excuses. <laughs> Some of us can relate, Right? A sluggard makes excuses. The next verse, as the door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. It's like this vivid imagery, right? Somebody who says good enough is good enough. A sluggard lacks initiative. Verse 15, the next line, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish and he's too lazy to bring it up to his mouth. He doesn't follow through. A sluggard doesn't finish what he started or what he set out to do. It's the guy who says, honey, If I said, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, and you don't need to remind me every six months. (laughs) The next line, a sluggard, this is my favorite one of all of them, a sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. Seven, it might as well be a hundred. A sluggard is too proud for the wisdom of others. It doesn't matter how many people say one thing, he's just going to do his own thing no matter how unwise it might be. It's like those... um, it's like those toothpaste commercials that you see, you know, and they, somewhere in the, in, the, in the ad, they always like mention, nine out of 10 dentists recommend Crest toothpaste. And it's like, who is this 10th dentist that doesn't recommend toothpaste? Can we find that guy? And like, what's he up to? He stayed home. He's worried about a fictional lion roaming around in the streets, right? Um, let's, let's get this up on, a, up on the screen. A sluggard makes excuses lacks initiative, doesn't finish work or follow through, and is too proud for wisdom. Let's hold it, hold it on the screen for a moment. I know you're not a sluggard. I'm not a sluggard. We got a bunch of ants running around here. I get that. But like, if you were going to act like a slug, <laughs> which one of these four would be yours? You don't have to say it out loud. Just kind of identify it. I know I'm not a slug. But when I'm acting like a slug, this is the one that it looks like. Moving on, the pace, the pace. This is the reality of a slug. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Poverty comes on you like a thief. It slows 
it slows, it slows. And then the impact is felt all of a sudden. The decline is gradual. The ruin is sudden. The decline is gradual. The ruin is sudden. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, poverty. It doesn't happen all at once, but it's felt all at once. And man, and this is true in so many areas. Uh, A few years ago, for reasons that are yet beyond me, my kid got incredibly into gardening. And, uh, and it's cool. I know nothing about this. I can barely grow a lawn. But like, he's, he's setting the stated goal of I'm going to grow something from a seed and then eat it later in the next season. And I'm like, awesome. We will figure this out together. Right? And so we get our seeds and we got like, to do that, you know, you got to like grow it like now, you know? So we got like the grow light happening with the, with the vacuum sealed sterile dirt that we got at the hardware store, like in my basement. And so if you're one of my neighbors and you're wondering what I'm growing in my basement, like what's the pastor up to? It's tomatoes. Like it's fine. You know? Uh, so like we, we, got, we got this thing going. And, and, and no matter how sterile like the dirt is, you know, vacuum sealed in a, in, a, in a little bag at the hardware store, you know what it takes for weeds to start growing in the garden? Nothing. Nothing at all, right? And it's like if you stared at the... If you stared at the garden and just watched it, you would never see a weed growing. You know, even from one day to the next, the picture of it, you would never see the weeds growing. But somehow if you like leave it attended for a week, if you come back to it, all of a sudden you're like, I thought we were growing tomatoes. I don't even know what we're growing in here anymore. The the decline is gradual. It's felt suddenly. The ruin is sudden. I mean, it's true in like so many areas. You didn't intend to kind of get a little bit sloppy with the finances. I mean, you, you didn't intend to get upside down on like quite so many things. I mean, you just always had a plan to like pay it off, right? When the time came, like future Dirk will handle that. We're great at that sort of stuff. That guy's awesome, you know? And then all of a sudden it's like ruin right in front of me. The decline was gradual little by little, but it, the ruin is sudden. You didn't intend to be a critical person, a bitter person, a cynical person. But it's like being around the environment that you were around, drip by drip, grain of sand by grain of sand. The decline was gradual. The ruin happened all of a sudden. I've been talking to some some of you about this deconstructing faith deal that's going on right now. And Still trying to figure it out myself. Some things need to be deconstructed, and we got a message series on that one coming later. <laughs> Stay tuned. It's not ready yet, though. But in, in part of that, I've been kind of like digging in and, and hearing all these stories about people somewhere in that process. And, and it's like pulling out a, a Jenga tower, and it's like pulling out block by block and just examining it, uh, seeing whether or not it's able to stand up on its own accord. And if it does, it goes back. If it doesn't, it, it goes out. It's like you can pull out the blocks one by one and the tower doesn't move until it does. Until you wake up or you show up 
And you're just recognizing that this thing is a hollow faith that's not even worth hanging on to anymore. And so you do the thing that comes most naturally and just give it up. And like, like I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to think of this. I don't know where we're, how we're responding to this. I'm just asking, I guess right now, is like if you're, if you're going to do the thing, and I think a faith untested is a faith untrusted, so, so there's value there. But just don't do it in isolation. You know, because what you're going to find is the decline feels gradual. But when you wake up and you realize, I don't even believe this stuff anymore. The ruin, ruin is set in. We got ants. We got slugs. And we got scripture that interprets scripture. I just want to share with you the interpretation, I think, that Jesus would have us go to the ant with is words from Paul in writing this letter to the Colossians. And I think with this kind of like echoing in the back of his mind, he's advising uh, the ants on the work that you do. And this is what he said, verse, Colossians 3, verse 23. He goes, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not human masters. Three ways to be successful as an ant. One way not to be. Don't be a slug. These are the three ways. The first line, whatever you do. What, whatever you do. Whatever you do. Whether you're hanging drywall tomorrow, changing diapers tomorrow, studying for a test tomorrow, whatever you do. There's a temptation to say, dude, I'm not exactly calling the shots. And Paul would remind you that the ants that he's writing to are not either. He's writing to those at the very, very bottom of society. And he reminds them, as I remind you today, whatever you do, your work makes a difference. Uh, first way, whatever you do, everything is included. Work at it to with all your heart. Put your heart in it. They don't deserve my heart. No, 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 it doesn't matter. Put your heart in it. Have you had the pleasure of walking up to a counter at the store and trying to buy an overpriced pair of pants that you know is overpriced pair of pants, yet you want them anyway? And the person whose job it is to sell you said overpriced pants is on the phone, off the counter, and then he said, and then she said, and then I said, and then he said, and then she said, and you're like, excuse me, I would just like my wallet to be a little bit lighter and get on my way. And it's like, just, just, just a minute. And it's, you just have this, this sense, like their heart might not be totally there. And you're like, it's fine. It's one person. It's a bad day. You go across the street and you sit down for lunch. And it's like the person, it's not, it's not a, it's not, they're not serving you. They're not a server. They're cultivating a dining experience. <laughs> you know, everything is attended to. They're nice. They're friendly. They know the menu. They can speak intelligently, and they just like think about the things and the ingredients and the food sourcing on the menu. And it's just like, wow, I get the sense. You're not working for a tip. You're just doing this because, because your whole heart is fully present in what you're doing. And it's so powerful to be in the presence of something like that. Whatever you do with all your heart, we recognize today that, that the devil 
has lies that he tells. And it's like part of my job and, and, and my privilege is to, is to share with you what those lies are. And it's your responsibility as us as a community to hear these lies and say, I, I knew that already, Dirk. Right? Like, I get that. So it's, it's a big part of what I do. I'm just reminding you of what you already know. The, the lies that are out there. Maybe you've heard these lies like, if you go outside with wet hair, you'll catch a cold. And as you grow up and you're like, I don't know if that's like 100% true, right? And you fact check that and it's like, that is, that is not true, right? But we just, there's, it finds a home and we're like, hey, I'm still not going outside with wet hair, right? Better safe than sorry. You know, if you swim like 10 minutes after eating, your stomach will explode and you'll die. And it's like this horrible, like I've never heard it happening, but I had a cousin once, you know, and maybe he got, it's like, I don't think that's true. It's not, but it like, swallowing gum is my thing. It's like, it's going to stay in your intestines for seven years. And it's like, that's definitely not true. But yeah, I still don't swallow the gum, right? I know that it's not true, but yet it finds a home in my heart somewhere. And I think that the lie that the devil has been speaking to many of us is what you do does not matter. It does not make a difference. You don't matter. And it's my simple job is just to remind you what you do does matter. And like I said, maybe it's hanging drywall, maybe it's changing diapers, maybe it's studying for a test tomorrow. I don't know. And I don't even know how it matters. But I do know that it matters. Because I read stories about people whose work didn't seem to matter. They practiced the guitar all day. They threw rocks at a tree. They got good at it. So what? So the clouds would be impressed? So the sheep would be impressed behind them? One time a lion came down or a bear, and, you know, I'm pretty good at hucking these rocks. You got pretty great with a sling, but that's another thing. And then a giant comes up. Or the king needs somebody to, to soothe his mind and he needs somebody really, really proficient in the guitar or the lyre, they called it back then. It's a different kind of instrument. And so David comes up before everybody. He slays a giant. He calms the mind of a king and he's, he's on this track. I don't know how your work matters tomorrow. I just know that it matters. Whatever you do, pour your heart into it. As working for the Lord, not human masters. We recognize that it is easy to say that because in many ways my direct report is Jesus. I get that. You might be saying, dude, my, re- my direct report is not Jesus. <laughs> We've got a lot of words for him. Jesus is not one of them. <laughs> no. But whatever you do with all your heart, as if you were working for the Lord. Because bringing your best with a good attitude honors God. Shoddy work with a bad attitude dishonors God. You may forget that everybody else is watching. The people that you are around never will. Whether you design the hospital, you're an admin at the hospital, you're a surgeon operating in the hospital or serving lunch in the cafeteria at the hospital. Your work makes a difference. 
Andrew Peterson has this quote where he says, we have this picture that there's like some sacred things that we do. Like you're doing a sacred thing right now. You're in church. Congratulations. Like check mark, you know, put that on your star chart, did it. It's a sacred thing. You know, and then there's like tomorrow and there's the secular things. Or maybe it's going out to lunch and that's a, that's a secular thing, right? Jesus isn't in that, right? And we have this like dividing line. And Andrew Peterson goes, no, 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 no. It's not like there's sacred work and secular work. I love this. He says, there's sacred work and there's the things that we forgot are sacred. I've shared this before and I'll share it again, but I have the privilege a few times a year of putting on my one and only suit and a tie. I have two of those. And I get to officiate a wedding. You know, and a couple right in front of me. And it is just, ah, it's an honor. The closest person in the room to the most holy thing that probably has happened in their life so far. And I get to say with the power vested in me, I now pronounce you husband and wife. It's a holy moment. And when I go home, still in my one and only suit, (laughs) and I line up dirty dishes neatly in the dishwasher, (laughs) it's a holy moment. And I often forget about that. I need a reminder. The reminder comes to me in the form of my kid's bus driver. (laughs) We were setting our kids up uh, to ride the bus a little while ago. And honestly, we just wanted like another hour of childcare uh, to get some work done. (laughs) But but this this dude, he he calls me and he goes, hey, I see uh, see we've got two new passengers on the bus and I just kind of wanted to walk you uh, through the process and introduce myself. Not bad. All right. Uh, it's been a couple of years now of this, and so we've like, gotten to know each other and about riding the bus for a little while now. I come to find out this guy, uh, this guy on the kid's birthday, instead of dropping him off at the corner block, he, he goes around and he drives the, drops them off right in their driveway, right, just to celebrate. It's so cool. So cool. He does a pizza party once a year with a bus. Just, hey, parents, just letting you know your kid's going to be 15 minutes late. He pulls over. Every get pizza on the bus. And we, just ha- we just have a little party celebration. It's like, who is this? Like this bus driver, right? Like your job is just to get the kids home safely. And he's like, no. It's so much more. It's a, it's a bus community. I ask my son, like, hey, I know you got homework. You know, it's Monday. You get homework every Monday. It's due later. Let's get it out. He goes, I did it on the bus. What? Yeah, yeah, a bunch of yeah, people like, helped me out on the bus to like, get it done. It's this whole bus community. He's going through it, like the recitals or like the, the plays and things. He's like, hey, 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 he's saying hey to all these people, not in his grade. I'm like, who are these people? How do you know these people? He's like, they're my bus friends. They're my bus friends. It's the most adorable thing in the universe. And every time I think about the work that you do matters so incredibly much. I think of Dennis the bus driver. The dude's awesome, and I've never even met him. (laughs) He's changed my life. Your work matters, not because of what you do. We're probably more slugs than ants, if we're honest with ourselves. But God didn't ask you to be a superman or superwoman. He just asked you to be a diligent man, a diligent woman, 
He already sent his Superman. And when we're a slug, creaking and turning in our bed, not able to get up, please remember that Jesus carries you. Let's stand up. Let's be carried by him. Go to his presence. Let's pray. If you'd like to pray with somebody, we have stations set up throughout the auditoriums at Fulton Heights here at Kentwood. Love to meet you there. Jesus, you carry us and you love us. God, we're going to go to work tomorrow and, uh, and some of us, Lord, we confess our sluggish attitude has been pretty awful and we need you to carry us. We need to be reminded that people are watching. God, some of us are fully present, fully aware, fully engaged and we're tired. Jesus, carry us. I speak life into our tired selves. Give us hope. Give us joy. Show us whatever we do. All our hearts are in it. It's working for you. It matters. Amen. Hey, church. It's our sincere prayer that this message was able to help you find new life in Christ. And if you did find it helpful, would you consider donating to help drive this ministry forward? And don't forget, there's no substitute for doing life together. So find a worship experience, join a small group or a serving team today. You can do all this at EncounterChurch.org.